On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcasts platforms. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. If you like the Indo Daily, you can follow us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the Indo Daily. It may measure only six by eight inches, but it's causing an awful lot of fuss and a few red faces. The man who never was. Father Pat Noyes, a capital plaque and a very elaborate hoax. Luxembourg. Ten points. Luxembourg. We had a low-cost, agile, highly productive, well-educated workforce and became world beaters at attracting the best companies to set up here. But as you can see, the excitement is now intense. You know, Ireland in the mid-noughties was a little bit too confident at times. Everything was absolutely booming. Plenty of money in circulation. No problems. Incentives to encourage construction alongside cheap and easy credit proved an explosive mix. You have a lot of new millionaires out there. A lot of farmers are selling their availing of the high prices. Obviously, it's the thing to do. And while all of this was happening, a very odd thing occurred on O'Connell Bridge off Dublin's main boulevard. So odd, it seemed credible and went unnoticed for two years. Following an investigation, Dublin City Council confirmed this evening that the plaque had been unofficially erected on the bridge and that their heritage section had never heard of a Father Pat noise. Today we travel back to 2006 and talk about a commemorative plaque to a priest who had the country talking. I've been walking over this bridge for the last 20, 25 years and I've never noticed it. How can you have a plaque sitting here like with thousands of like people coming in from different countries reading that thing and that's true. I'm Siobhan McGuire and joining me today is Sunday Independent columnist and master of storytelling, Liam Collins. Liam, I'm going to bring you right back to the year 2000 and we've rang in a new millennium and we've had a good old laugh about the time in the slime who now joins uh, an elite group that includes Floozy in the jacuzzi. And then there's a dodgy old clock on O'Connell Bridge. Built at a cost of a quarter of a million pounds, the countdown 2000 millennium must rank as one of the most expensive clocks in the history of time. The 12-metre timepiece, which floats on the western side of Dublin's O'Connell Bridge, will count down the 120 million seconds between now and the end of the decade. It will be switched on at 11 o'clock tonight amid a spectacular fireworks display. Yes, this was uh, more or less 
dropped into the Liffey in 1996 with the intention of counting down to the millennium, which was four years hence, but was going to be one of those great uh, Irish celebrations. And so as we crossed O'Connell Bridge, you could look down and see how long it would be before the uh, day of the millennium. But in actual fact, after a very short time, you could no longer make out the figures in what was very fashionable, large digital clock. It cost a huge amount of money. Well, it did. And they hadn't factored in the waters of the Liffey and the slime began to overpower the clock. And it had a series of mishaps. It was you couldn't see the face. I think it lost time and it got blocked up and various attempts were made to resuscitate it, but without much success. This digital clock console kind of um, put into a newly fitted indent on O'Connell Bridge that linked up with this uh, time in the slime. And again, another unworkable piece of equipment. Yes, it was supposed to indicate to people what was what this actual clock was doing there. Uh, and not only could you see the clock, but you couldn't decipher what the actual plaque was supposed to, um, well, what it was supposed to tell you, because... You couldn't tell the time, in the other time words. The time was not. <laughs> there, there was no time at all in the Liffey. I mean, it's gas when we look back on, on the state of the country at the time, because we thought we were the bee's knees, Liam. We were a country on the up and up. Well, we were. And in many respects, uh, we were. We were. It, the country had opened up from the depressing years of the 1980s. And the 90s were the beginning of what was eventually named the Celtic Tiger, God help us. But at the time, we really did see ourselves as, uh, you know, progressives. Attitudes were changing and things were changing. But uh, when officialdom uh, began to uh, try to do something innovative, it usually ended up in disaster, as the millennium clock proved. And sure, we had plenty of money to uh, throw at it as well. Oh, there was money for everything at the time. I mean, you know, the, the austerity of the 80s, as I say, and the budget surplus where fiscal rectitude was the, the war cry, was all out the window. You know, we were just spending like drunken sailors. So now I'm going to bring you on from that time to uh, six years later, 2006. And something strange happens on O'Connell Bridge. And a lot of people are talking about this new bronze plaque. And as we later learn, it wasn't so new, was it? The plaque is dedicated to her father, Pat Noyes, allegedly an advisor to the 1916 rebel, Patter Clancy. According to the plaque, Father Noyes died in suspicious circumstances when his carriage plunged into the Liffey in 1919. No, there was... There was uh, this bronze plaque had been inserted um, in the parapet of the bridge, exactly where the time capsule of the Millennium Clock had been, and it was a very nicely made plaque with an intriguing inscription. 
Remind us of that inscription. Well, the inscription mean. said, This plaque commemorates Father Pat Noyes, advisor to Padder Clancy. He died under suspicious circumstances when his carriage plunged into the Liffey on August the 10th, 1919, erected by HSTI. And there was a, a very elegant profile a la Patrick Pierce of, of um, a man in the plaque. And in a way, it, it, the, it was so intriguing because who was Father Pat Noyes? And then wrapped within the story was Pather Clancy. And Pather Clancy, for those who are commemorating the various events of, of 100 years ago, was a very well-known Irish Republican. He was a draper, actually, from, I think, originally from Tipperary. He had been murdered on the night of Bloody Sunday in Dublin Castle with another Republican, Dick McKee. So, therefore, it's all very credible uh, up to this point that there was a father, Pat Noyes, and because this other gentleman did actually exist, Liam. Oh, yeah, he was a, he was a real figure and uh, the circumstances of his death had made him um, um, a Republican martyr. I mean, not only were they tragic, they were very brutal and... Um, it was one of the the one of the remarkable kind of events of that period between the War of Independence and the Civil War, and um, we all learned about uh, Pather Clancy and his his gruesome end in Dublin Castle uh, on that night. I think it was uh, November the twelfth, nineteen twenty. So we have this story about this plaque in 2006. Um, it comes out in the Sunday Tribune and it grows legs because everyone else wants to get on board and have a little chat about what is ultimately the national conversation for 2006, this very strange plaque. And then we find out that actually this plaque has been in place since 2004. We just didn't notice it. Yes, I mean, it's... It's remarkable, really, that it was there for two years without anybody appearing to notice that the space vacated by the Millennium uh, inscription had been uh, colonised, let's say, by Father Pat Noyes. I've been walking over this bridge for the last 20, 25 years and I've never noticed it. How can you have a plaque sitting here, like, with thousands of... Like people coming in from different countries reading that thing, and that's true. A reporter called Owen Rice in the Tribune uh, discovered this, and he was intrigued. Now, millions of people uh, probably cross O'Connell Bridge every year. Nobody had spotted this plaque, or if they had, they had taken it at, at face value, and but maybe scratched their heads. Uh, who is? Father Pat Noyes. But then again, many of them probably walk up O'Connell Street. And if they take the trouble, those big statues, apart from Daniel O'Connell, I mean, who knows what um, Sir James Gray did, or maybe even the Father Matthew has forgotten a little bit. Um, so I suppose it 
is not surprising. And there are there are other plaques around the city that commemorate uh, various events. So I think that probably people just took it at face value. Absolutely. And it looked like the real deal. Oh, no, this is... This it was professionally done, or it looked like it. It was professionally done because it's on the parapet. You would you would ha- almost have to go looking for it. Yet, people had seen it and spotted it and walked away wondering what was the intriguing story behind Father Pat Noyes. And so that journalist went to Dublin City Council and said. You know, lads, I'm curious about this plaque on O'Connell Bridge. I haven't noticed it before, but I notice it now. A lot more people are noticing it. What is it all about? It may measure only six by eight inches, but it's causing an awful lot of fuss and a few red faces. That's because up until last Friday, when a journalist contacted Dublin City Council, no one knew that this commemorative plaque existed, even though it's located in the heart of the capital on O'Connell Street Bridge. Yeah, and up in in the civic offices, they began to scratch their heads and ask themselves, who is Pat Noyes and why are we commemorating him on what is, you know, the the entrance to uh, the premier street in the country, O'Connell Street. It's the, 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 the main street of the capital city, let us say. And nobody was any the wiser. They presumably asked each other, well, who... Who is Father Pat Noyes and who authorised uh, putting a plaque to him on O'Connell Bridge? And... After they did their inquiries, nobody was owning up. They hadn't the foggiest, Liam. Now, I would imagine there were, there were messages and phone calls flying around um, Dublin City Council at the time, people scratching their heads like, where had this plaque come, come from? from? Yes. And I mean, the, the, the intrigue, of course, is that, you know, who died in suspicious circumstances when his carriage plunged into the Liffey. So presumably, um, you know, journalists and people in the corporation began to go back to their records. I mean, surely a carriage plunging off O'Connell Bridge would have been recorded in the newspapers of the time, the Freeman's Journal or the Evening Mail. But no, there was there was no record of of such a, such a tragic accident happening on this impressive bridge, and presumably the corporation would have been able to find out if there was a bill for the repair works. I mean, as we know, bureaucrats keep bills for everything <laughs> somewhere in their archives. So no, nothing. It just was a mystery. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, if they were looking up historical records, they would have found a very legitimate trail going back to Pader Clancy's story. And so that probably confounded them even further in terms of who Pat Noyes was. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Pader Clancy, who is mentioned in the plaque, was originally from County Clare, staunch Republican. And uh, it was one of the things we learned in history. Back then, for those of us of a certain generation, I mean, history ended in 1921 with the War of Independence, the Anglo-Irish Agreement. It didn't go on to the Civil War or any of uh, those um, 
great events that we talk about these days. Yeah. It was too fresh in the memory. So, yeah, Pather Clancy was a, a familiar figure um, for uh, students, for people in the Republican movement. And he had actually been a draper and had run... Uh, uh, an outfit not far away from us here in Talbot Street called Republican Outfitters. So he had he had that two distinctions. He didn't one, look too one far fortunate. for that title there, Liam, did he? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and um, yeah, so it was this intriguing story within a story within a story itself. So Dublin City Council. Come out, take a look. You know, I can imagine them now, hands on hips, going, you know, what what is this? This shouldn't be here. We've no idea yeah. why it's here. Yeah. What did they do? Somebody is having us on. <laughs> so they had the usual bureaucratic uh, reaction. Let's take it down. <laughs> I mean, you know, I let's not... It wasn't sort of, we've been kind of conned, but this is very intriguing and let people make of it what they will. No, they, if they wanted to, to calm the publicity on the fact that they had been not only hoodwinked, but they were unaware they were hoodwinked for two years, uh, they would have said nothing. But of course, they had to put out a statement saying, no, this is a hoax and this has to go. And typical Irish reaction, we don't want it to go. It's now everybody wanted to look at the plaque. That's it, exactly. Uproar. We yeah. wanted that plaque back where it belonged. Well, they actually, yeah, they took it down first, despite um, there was one one uh, councillor protested uh, vigorously that it was, you know, it brought a smile to people's faces, especially now that they knew that this had uh, had been put there mysteriously, presumably in the darkness one night when everyone else was asleep, and had been uh, cemented into the bridge and was now kind of turning into a tourist attraction for Dubliners. I mean, the most Dubliners uh, lament the fact that they were never up Nelson's Pillar, which had been blown up in 1966. So this was an opportunity for them to go and see this little little plaque, but very important and intriguing. Intriguing, important, and it gave us all, and still it continues to give us all, one hell of a laugh, Liam. If we look back at that inscription on the plaque. H-S-T-I. Now, re rejig those words there, and what do you get? <laughs> well, it never occurred to me till you mentioned it, but uh, it's obviously it's an anagram of... SH1T, or shit as we can call it on, on radio these days. It has remained uh, a, a lovely story we think of every so often and laugh about. And indeed, it is still there on O'Connell Bridge. And it has something of a legacy now, Liam. Uh, we've had a, a song written about it. We have a fake history account devised uh, all around it. And it even appears in a best-selling book about the world's hidden wonders, if you will. Okay, well, it's yeah, I suppose it is. Uh, it is a, not really a big wonder, it's a small wonder. But, you know, uh, another councillor 
Dermot Lacey, you know, who was uh, instrumental in having it uh, replaced. No, it was replaced by the original perpetrators, I think. I think they made a second version and it was put... Then the city council were told that it had to stay in, or asked and it was stayed in place. And he said, it is a monument to eccentricity. It adds a bit of colour to our lives. And it fairly sums up, you know, what the plaque, uh, what, it, what it says and what it represents. Absolutely. So the council take it away. The perpetrators of yes. this fabulous hoax put it back. Yeah, and it's it's alleged that it was two brothers, although we we don't know that for certain, and that the figure it represents, representing Father Pat Noyes, is their father. Now, whether that's just <laughs> another, uh, you know, another um, Dublin uh, myth is no one will ever know. And I think that's the beauty of the story, and it's why... Why we love coming back to these things, something that remains a mystery uh, in this day and age is always something that gets us talking, smiling, hopefully. And in this case, you know, it was a good laugh. Not a bad legacy for an imaginary man. And a huge thanks there to Liam Collins from The Sunday Independent. I'm Siobhan McGuire and today's episode of the Indo Daily was produced and researched by myself, recorded by Gavin Hennessy with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE, the song Lament for Father Pat Noyes by Dermot Callaghan, Owen Dillon, Steve Larkin and Frank Tate and independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review.